0: Eight o'clock on a Thursday, Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari Difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer today. Hour three of this program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound, Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at Campbell-Pound.com today. Kintec, my good friend.
1: We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net.
0: This fall, September to be exact, the 2023 Labor Cup is coming to Vancouver. It's Team World against Team Europe. It's going to be all right here at Rogers. And I'm excited for this.
1: And uh, just so everyone knows, it's tennis.
0: Yes. Yeah. Just to make that clear. (laughs) We're very excited to have our next guest on the program. Joining us now, uh, tennis legend John McEnroe here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, John. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. And yourself?
0: Uh, Good. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this. We're excited to talk to you. Excited for this event as well. So it's the 6th Laver Cup. It's coming to Vancouver. It's Team World versus Team Europe. You are the captain of Team World. Bjorn Borg is the captain of Team Europe. Can you let our listeners know about this event? It's got a very short history, just six years, but it's very star-studded, the top players in the world. And, of course, uh, your team is going to be headlined now by the Canadian Felix oje Aliasim.
2: Well, first of all, Felix is a great kid, and he was instrumental in us finally getting over the hump. Uh, as you may know, nine, I believe, out of the top ten players, or eight of them are from Europe, so it's been an uphill battle, but it's a great event. Rod Laver was my idol, met millions of other tennis players, the sort of the Babe Ruth of tennis, so uh, Roger Federer came up with this idea of, you know, basically... Uh, doing something in honor of him. And I think it's a great event. You get the top players in the world together, uh, playing against each other. And, uh, I get to see my buddy Bjorn Borg, who I had a great rivalry with. So it's been like a win-win, I think for everyone. I think it's something that, uh, tennis needed a little injection of some energy and something different. And, uh, for me that being closer to home i'm in new york and california vancouver obviously nearby so uh should be a great event
1: do you expect felix at some point over the next few years to break through and win a grand slam
2: i do i think that he's got a great shot at winning this year uh he's he's you know put a lot of pressure on himself i think he has, uh, made some great progress. I think the end of last year in particular, he started to show what he's really made of. Uh, I thought he'd go a little farther in Australia, but I think he's going to make a run to uh, a grand slam final and win in the next 12 to 18 months. So, uh, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't win multiple majors. So, you know, obviously he's, uh, he's key to our team. And, uh, I'd love to see him get over the hump, not just at Labor Cup, that's obvious, but to to win a couple, I think it would be great for North America if he was able to sort of show that it can be done here because it's been quite a while.
1: What does it take to get over the hump, to to go from good and talented and, and you can win tournaments, but you haven't won the Grand Slam yet because we've never had... Canadian male win a Grand Slam and we only recently saw the first Canadian ever to win a Grand Slam when Bianca got it done at the U.S. Open a few years ago so what does Felix have to do besides win a bunch of big tennis matches to get to that point where he can be considered a Grand Slam champion?
2: Well he's doing everything in his power to get to that position obviously uh a little bit of luck and in be involved, but belief and, um, and will uh, when it matters most. I mean, he's been going up against uh, the three greatest players that have ever lived that uh, have pretty much taken all the majors over the course of the last 15 years. So that's certainly been an obstacle early in his career. I mean, he played Nadal, he went to a fifth set at the French last year. There was an opportunity there, but when push comes to shove, you got to, you know, dig in and actually believe you can do it, and it's tough tough to do against these guys. Fitness has obviously become more of an issue, athleticism, because of the speed of the game now. It's it's Balls are coming a lot faster, so you need more explosion. He's got that. But, you know, he's got to continue to improve his game. There's some parts of his game that um, – I think he knows he needs to work on, particularly as he moves forward towards the net so that he can finish points off. And so you've got to experience maybe the highs and lows a little bit. I think he's experienced some tough losses. Uh, Hopefully you you learn from those. And uh, he should be ready now to make that next step to a final and win one in my book.
1: Do players have enough personality in tennis now compared to the the years when you were playing?
2: Yeah, well, uh, you know, to me, it was sort of like a golden era. Even the guy 100 in the world had some personality back then. Um, It seemed uh, because of myself, Connors, uh, Nastasi, you know, they felt like the inmates were running the asylum asylum a little bit too much. And to me, they tightened the rules and sort of discouraged that a little bit in the later 80s into the 90s. And I think that hurt the sport uh, quite a bit because it's a one-on-one game and, People need to feel invested. It's not like you're just playing for a team, uh, the Vancouver Canucks. You know, people are going to root for them just because they're from Vancouver, same as, you know, me in in New York. Uh, But it's different with tennis players. So you've got to give them a reason to have a rooting interest. And if they don't feel like they can relate to you in some way, I just think it's another tennis match. So I think recently uh, the – tennis establishment is more aware of that and and sort of encouraging people to express themselves both the men and the women a guy like Alcaraz is a great example he's got you know he's, he's brimming with personality he looks like he loves to be out there and he plays with just a, a real beauty to his game and that's you know the spark we need we need that you know I think Felix and Dennis uh, Shapovalov spark things in Canada. Bianca did for a while. She seems to be struggling the last couple of years. And uh, America really needs that. Obviously, the women, we had Serena and Venus and a couple other players that have won majors, but the guys, it's been 20 years. So that really, I think, has hurt the popularity of our sport that one of the top guys is an American. So uh, hopefully that'll turn around. I think I see things, you know, an American winning one in the next couple of years.
1: Mm-hmm. Did the way you expressed yourself on the court, if we're gonna we're gonna put it that way, did that help or hinder you?
2: Well, I think it helped me at times and it hurt me at times. Uh, sometimes you, you sort of push yourself to get sort of into it, get the adrenaline flowing. I think later in my career, in particular, when I had kids and I sort of looked at things from a different prism, it felt like. Uh, uh, sort of like an addiction that I couldn't get rid of, Uh, you know, cigarette, you know, knowing that cigarettes is bad for you, but still doing it. And and to some degree, I think at the end, it hurt me, but um, that's not the only reason that, you know, my ranking went down. And I think that people like to see that you care. I mean, sometimes it was over the top and I deserve to be penalized. And other times I think people were, you know, looking at it um, and, and not, cutting some slack where it deserved to be cut so i think it was uh, at times um went overboard but i think that people uh ultimately respected the fact that when i was playing i was giving my all for better or for worse
1: did it come from that position of just like being really competitive and just being just not afraid of losing but just like you really didn't want to lose
2: Well, yeah, of course. I mean, I was competitive when I was a kid. uh, So there's no question uh, that that's part of it. It's also that, uh, as you see in most sports, the better you get, the more that you can get away with. So there's an incentive to try to get to the top, not only because there'll be glory and perhaps more money and titles and grand slams, but because you can sort of do whatever you want and there's not a whole lot they can say about it. The flip side is when you start going down that they're sort of waiting for you and then payback time. So there's a period of time where they're saying, suspend McEnroe, get rid of him." I always had great support from people, you know, Phil Knight would call me the guy that runs Nike, keep doing exactly what you're doing. I'd run into, (laughs) you know, people that I looked up to, like Jack Nicholson, and he'd be like, do exactly what you're doing, you know, and then there'd be some old, uh, dare I say, fart from, uh, you know, our tennis association telling me to calm down. And I'm like thinking, who am I going to listen to here? So uh, perhaps uh, you know, we, we've we all learned uh, from the past in, in good ways and maybe not so good. But ultimately, I felt like people didn't get that uh, what was happening at that time was good for tennis. And I think that ended up that... Um, I think when people look back on those times, the 70s into the 80s, that was that was a great time to be part of, you know, playing on the circuit.
0: I know we're tight for time here, John, but we'd be remiss as a Canadian sports talk radio station if we didn't ask you a hockey-related question. So a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, about playing with emotion and wearing your emotions on the outside – Uh, That's because in Vancouver, we got a guy that I think you're familiar with as a Rangers fan, JT Miller, who's been very demonstrative and very uh, emotional at times on the ice and showing his displeasure when things aren't going great. Um, What are your recollections of Miller from your time, obviously, as a Rangers fan and, you know, kind of tying into what you were talking about, that at times it can seem like someone's going over the top with their emotions. But other times it's proof that, you know, you really care about winning and losing.
2: Well, that you know, that's a, that's a good question. That's a tough question to answer because it's sort of how did he relate to his other teammates? You know, hockey's a team game. Uh, tennis isn't. That's part of why I like Labor Cup, by the way, because we sort of rallied together for that week. And I think tennis players are sort of out there on the island too often. But, you know, J.T. Miller would be my type of guy, you know, a guy that plays with a lot of emotion. You don't want to show up your teammates. And that, I don't know what's been going on over there. And it, there's a point where it can be – a sort of a law of diminishing returns but uh, fan love effort I think fellow teammates love that it's, it's it's been a struggle in Vancouver for a while from a hockey point of view so uh, there was a lot of success I remember when well he didn't do that well there but when Mark Messier left the Rangers to go there I was in a state of depression and so there's <laughs> so a lot we. of history in Vancouver for that so uh, maybe he's just trying to get, get the winning ways back so you can't blame him for that
0: Hey, John, I really want to thank you for taking the time to do this today. We really appreciate it. This was a pretty cool moment. Um, Once again, it's the 2023 Labor Cup. You'll be here in September, and I encourage everyone to go out and check it out. It should be a really cool event for the city of Vancouver. Thanks again for doing this, John.
2: You guys take care. Thanks a lot.
0: Yeah, thank you. uh, Tennis legend and the captain of the world team at the upcoming Labor Cup, which, yes, Jason, is a tennis tournament. Uh, John McEnroe here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet, 650. I
1: honestly can't believe we just interviewed John McEnroe. Pretty cool. Andy, do you I'm, know who I'm John actually, McEnroe I'm, is now? I'm actually gonna, Still researching. Yeah. I'm actually going to, like... I, I never tell my mom anything about that idea because she didn't, mm-hmm. mostly doesn't care. Right. Like, in life, too. Sure. But <laughs> we as a family used to watch tennis together, and it was the only sport that we used to watch tennis together because my parents blo- both played tennis, and we would watch... Like, the first guy I remember as a kid watching was John McEnroe yeah. and my parents explaining to me about John McEnroe and the way that he played because, believe it or not, I was also a bit of a poor sport what? when I was a kid. I find and that hard had, to believe. I had trouble losing, and I would throw temper tantrums, and when we would have family doubles matches, mm-hmm. I would often ruin those doubles matches like I would ruin board game nights and I would be a poor sport, and my parents would also – would like to point out they'd be like, "See how McEnroe looks he looks like like a brat, and I'm like, seems to be winning a lot
0: yeah see I think
1: I think because <laughs> I have the exact same
0: memories of that, and I feel like you probably came along because Andy what you're like twenty you came along in a I'm 38 at, you came along at a time in a generation where I, let's just I 'll be as blunt as I can about this um, tennis was in a totally different realm in terms of what the players represented. Mm-hmm. And I think it all changed when the big three came in, especially Federer, because Federer was like a cold blooded assassin, but had no
1: emotion. For me, too, it was a bit of Pete Sampras, was kind of like Pete that. Pete Sampras like he was, was the exact very same Very controlled, and it got a little, I would call it sterile. Like, I remember the elite tennis
0: players of their day having the same aura around them that the heavyweight champion of the world used to have in boxing. The heavyweight champion of the world mm-hmm. in boxing now is irrelevant. He's yeah. not a major player. Most people don't even know who it is. Yeah. I don't know who it is. Yeah, I think it's split between John three. McEnroe. I think it's split I've between the three research. guys. It's not him. Don't do that. You're going to confuse the dummies He's out there. not okay. even a heavyweight. Yeah. Uh, but the interesting thing is that in the 70s and 80s, that title really mattered. And when mm-hmm. you go back and look at... The the tennis players were almost like like celebrities, like rock stars, because
1: like oh, there were they
0: yeah, were like John, Johnny Carson. They would appear on mm-hmm. that, and they would be doing Saturday Night Live, and it was Mac and Roman Connors. And he brings up and a of really, course it
1: helped that they were American, American, right?
0: That's the big thing. And there was always a lineage. There was always a next guy,
1: mm-hmm. like Roger Federer was and still is a celebrity.
0: Yeah, but it's just different. But he's it like, is different because he's yeah. not a celebrity because of personality. He's a celebrity because of talent. Yeah, he's. incredible. Incredible talent. John, Mocken- John, John McEnroe was a celebrity because he also had this charismatic personality. Mm. Which is why he's a commentator. Now. Know why he's coming on Vancouver Sports Talk Radio talking about the Mark Messier trade. What a good pull by him. <laughs> it was really good. Anyway, that was pretty cool. I'm the same way. Like There are certain certain iconic characters where you're like, I can't believe I'm talking to this person. The only other time I really ever got it was, I remember we were sitting in, <laughs> not to the same degree, but we were at MSG. And we were in the press room, and Ron Francis was there. Right. And I remember we were debating something, and we couldn't come to an answer. I'm like, just go ask Ron Francis. (laughs) He had a Hall of Fame career based on sound (laughs) decision-making. Like, that was his thing. So, anyway. For Uh, me, it
3: was – I was in a scrum with Patrick Waugh when he was here with the – See, as as a goalie nerd,
0: that would Mm, be like – There was a moment – there
3: literally was a moment in the scrum where I got my mic out. I'm just like – Patrick freaking
0: wall right there. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah this them, is bizarre. That's the yeah, only yeah. time that's ever happened yeah. to me. It was, was mm-hmm. with them. So anyway, uh, just to put a bow on that, the labor cup, uh, it is a pretty cool event. Now it's, it's relatively new. So it doesn't have the history behind some of these other big events. And it's not quite the Davis cup. I'm going to go though, that's but I'm going to go awesome. for sure. Yeah. I've seen, I actually went and did a, like it's gone. I mentioned it's, a big event because they go to big places. Like, to be perfectly honest, Vancouver is probably the smallest market they've gone to, unless, depending on how- That's you, your
1: inferiority complex coming through. Like, Vancouver is now a world-class I know, city. but People look- know look, about this. Okay, city. this is where it went. I L- think, I, I, honestly, though, like, Boston, Chicago- uh, it went there in American cities, and mm-hmm. Vancouver holds its own. Lon- like, it really I, does. I was thinking more like London and Geneva and Prague. Like okay, yeah, yeah but I mean, it's, uh, it's hard to compete with London, but I'm not. But I'm
0: not saying it's competing. I'm saying this is a big event mm-hmm. that's coming to Vancouver. Like we should respond accordingly don't, by showing up.
1: And don't you buying think, tickets. Don't you think the rise of Canadian tennis is
0: partly related to that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, they, there's no other player named to either roster right mm-hmm. now. Except for Felix Ogelalia Simm, so this is obviously about the Canadian representing and McEnroe brought up a good point. Eight of the top ten ATP men's players right now are European. Mm. I like guess the the world team comes in as, as an underdog quite yeah. frankly because it's it's OJalia, and then there's a, an American player named Taylor Fritz. The fact I had to describe him tells you where American tennis is at.
1: do people of our vintage um compared to let's say people in their early 20s or younger even than that see do we still have an inferiority complex about vancouver as a city because we grew up with for example when the whitecaps won uh, what was it called the soccer bowl there or or whatever Uh, in 1979 they were described as the village of vancouver like, mm-hmm. do we see our city still in that? Like, we're just a little guy, but you should come. It's quite beautiful. Most people around the world know
0: Vancouver. Yeah, I was more taking that um, descriptor, that that narrative from a sporting lens. Like, we just don't. We're it's it, it's a hockey town. It is
1: right. Well, I and, mean, what, what do you think of when Geneva? Like, I I don't think of that as wow. What great sports they have there. Nope. Not All my, my bank point. accounts are there. Yeah, right.
0: Not my point. My point okay. is that. As a city that is almost hyper focused on hockey, we should be th- pretty excited at the fact that a very, very big traveling tennis tour that's mm-hmm. gone to other that's big true. places yep. is now coming to Vancouver. That was the point I was trying to make. Like, even if you don't like tennis, you should go. Andy, you don't know anything about tennis. I think you think it's played with paddles. Uh, but yeah. you, sh- like, this isn't. Right? You're going to get to see the best players of your generation, minus Federer and probably Nadal because he's hurt. But mm-hmm. you assume. Djokovic will be there.
1: Alcaraz will be there. Like,
0: this is the creme de la creme of men's tennis playing in a very competitive environment at this tournament. It's coming to Vancouver. I just think it's cool.
1: Have you ever seen tennis at this yes. highest oh. level live? Have oh, you ever ne- seen it live? No, never. No, uh, neither have I. I saw... It hasn't really come to Vancouver much. It- the, the one that I remember was the Davis Cup where Canada somehow beat Sweden I think it was and that was at the Agrodome I don't remember that that must have been 20 years ago more than that that was the only thing I can remember about uh big time tennis I know John McEnroe actually had a match here I want to say it was about uh, seven or eight years ago, but that was like retired John McEnroe. Yeah, he played Pete, Pete Sampras. He was, played Pete Sampras yeah. maybe at UBC at the Doug Mitchell, the, like at the, the arena they built for the Olympics there, where mm-hmm. the Thunderbirds play now.
3: 1992 was the year that Canada beat Sweden. By
0: yeah, way. you know why? Right. You know what, Take I ha- that, Stefan Edberg. <laughs> well, yeah, because he got famously upset by mm-hmm. Daniel Nestor, Yeah, who was like 21 years old at the Edberg time. Edberg was like, aren't you a doubles player more? <laughs> He's like, I've never
1: seen you before on tour. <laughs> <New York laughs> <laughs> 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 yeah, That was incredible. Yeah. That was an incredible. Incredible atmosphere, yeah, and, I, and I watched
0: it on t. I watched it on the TV. I remember this so, might be
3: hard for you guys to answer, but I, it just got me thinking. What Bruff yeah. said: Do you think like the highest end tennis? I'm talking the best of the best, like you were just talking about. Seeing that live, do you think that translates completely different than what you see on television? Like, is it a? Do you think it's a completely different experience? Um, or that's, inter- that's an interesting question. I've always actually. wondered that, having never gone to a I think pro you tennis mean, tournament. I,
1: I think going to tennis, like I said, I've never been, but I imagine that you would be. Um, seeing it in person, and especially if you're up close, you'd be surprised at the speed That's what I was that thinking, it's played at. How fast like, it is, yeah. do, you, do you remember the first time you ever went to a baseball game? Yeah. Uh, you've been to a baseball game, right? That okay. I have, yes. Have you ever gone and watched up close the pitchers pitching? Yes, it's and, insane. And you're like, holy cow. That goes fast. <laughs> that goes really fast. He and, and he's like, that was a changeup. <laughs> yeah. uh, ah.
0: Do me a favor. I'm going to assign you some homework. No. Uh, at some point, you can find it online. It's called The String Theory. By David Foster Wallace. Great writer. Um, He played tennis as a kid Mm -hmm. and got up to, like, regional junior champion or something. Yeah. And then he spent a bunch of time, and I can't remember the tour player's name, but he was, like, sixty or 70th in the world. Mm -hmm. And he said, like, it's only until you go and watch him play someone that's in the top five or ten where you realize just how unbelievably good the tennis is. And it's, like... Not only is it played at these crazy speeds with crazy precision, but they never make mistakes. And he said that's the difference. Like if you're a 60 or 70-ranked player, you make a couple mistakes a match. Yeah. And that's what costs you. And, he's, mm-hmm. and so that was what I think is you, you'll you see, my God, how fast it is, but also just relentless and over and over again. And you can continue these rallies where the ball's being hit at an incredible pace you figure at some point someone will screw up. And with
1: crazy it. spin.
0: Yes. That's a big part of it too. So I do think – that uh, you know, someone that goes as a complete novice would actually probably be able to be entertained by how fast it goes mm-hmm. live in front of their face. No, Yeah,
3: I'm looking forward to it.
1: Uh, we got a text in here. There was a friendly match here in Vancouver years ago between Jim Courier and, I believe, Pint's Pete Sampras that this person attended. And unsigned text, but, says, I was blown away by how hard they hit the ball. TV does not do it. Justice.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I really want to go. I I also understand that they have like a cool, funky court. It's like all blacked out, and there's like lights to make it like look like you're like a theater, right? So, I don't know. I'm 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 easily entertained.
1: I I like this text. World class cities have more than one professional sports team. In our or in our case, barely one. You don't have to correlate the two. Like, you can be a world class city and not be super hyper for, focused on sports. We're just yeah. occasionally. Like, world class show... uh, uh, city, Cincinnati.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Always at the top of the list when they're talking about desirable places. I've been to Cincinnati too, by the way.
1: You liked it. That no, was classic. No, hal- no, 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 no. Nope, no, 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 I didn't oh, like I've
0: you, never said out loud. You liked those Indianapolis. Words. Uh, I said Indianapolis was fine. That was not an inspiring Mm, trip. Can you actually fly? This is classic
1: Alfred. This this is like him Uh, going. uh, This is like him going to any restaurant where he's like that. As long as he chose the restaurant, he'll be like, "This is good, right?" So, you went on a football trip to Cincinnati and I didn't and, choose. And Indiana. he was like, you know what? It's a pretty nice city.
0: I don't know. This is. Yes, you did. Does it get tiring gaslighting? Does the it get tiring lying lying, lying lying so much? Why do you lie so much? Because I have to match the lying done by my co host, Master Gaslighter. It's a Jason lie-off. Bro. Yeah. Do you ever get tired y- you of you're gaslighting?
1: You're like, there's the... lots of these brick buildings. I'm like, oh, yeah, that means because they were built a long time ago yeah. when the city was actually popular. See,
0: I've gone on the air and actually condemned Cincinnati as a jump because <laughs> they still have a huge, like, Pete Rose. Theme to the city. It's like, mm-hmm. He's history's greatest monster. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> but they have. He's history's greatest yeah, monster. Yeah, but they have so much Pete Rose stuff. It's like baked into the city. Well, That's
1: amazing. You love the city so much. I, then.
0: Yeah. You know what? I actually wrote the tourism brochure for Cincinnati. Like Cincinnati, there's more than Chile. That's what I came up Cincinnati, with. Cincinnati, it's easy to find parking. It's true. You can stay in Kentucky. It is right
1: amazingly to... easy to find parking in some of those American cities that. Nobody lives in uh, the the rec the the recplex that is the Philadelphia where they have all of the yeah. The but I'm talking about in the city. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, some of them, you know, there's not. You know, <laughs> yeah, you, they
1: suck. You went downtown. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Get your what we learns in, uh, and don't forget we got ticket giveaways or ticket competitions today. If you want to be entered into the competition with your what we learned. For Guns N' Roses tickets in October at BC Place, use the rose emoji if you want to be entered into the competition to win Canucks tickets. They host the Bruins, a pretty good team, like it or not. Saturday night at Rogers Arena, use the ticket emoji. We'll read them. On the other side of the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650.
3: Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: It's been a struggle in Vancouver for a while from the hockey point of view, so uh, there was a lot of success. I remember when. Boy, he didn't do that well there, but when
0: Mark Messier left the Rangers to go there, I was in a state of depression. 8.31 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Sports Sportsnet 650. Yeah, that's right. John McEnroe talking Canucks hockey. You know, when we thought, wait a minute, we're going to book one of the most iconic tennis players of all time. The next thing I thought was, how can we turn this into the Canucks? <laughs> and we did it. Welcome to your home of the Canucks, SportsNet 650. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer today. Hour two of the program. We are halfway through it. Hour two, or sorry, hour three, sorry, is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit the at Campbell Pound.com today. Okay, what we learns, I I mentioned this Brock Besser article and podcast hit from his agent that's been out there we've got to get uh, just really quickly for those that are unaware the agent who we all know ben hankinson was on a podcast with the athletic with mike russo yesterday and in great detail he explained just how far down the road he's gone with the wild and wild general manager bill, bill garen right so for example says that he's spoken with garen multiple times he said that Besser would fit, quote-unquote, perfectly with Minnesota. He said that the Canucks would have to retain a significant portion of Besser's salary. And he said he went so far as to say that Besser would fit nicely on a line with Matthew Boldy. Like, this is, this is how far these conversations have gone. Yeah. So you would imagine that at this point, it's fair to suggest that they've zeroed in on Minnesota as a landing spot. So I guess I can go
1: beyond the... I don't know. If well, this might... is also Brock telling his agent where he wants to go. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's part of the process, right? Yeah. The agent is allowed to look for a trade. The first question the agent should ask is to his client, "Who should I talk to?" Yeah, where do you want where do you want to go? We can talk. <laughs> so, if they're working this hard at it, you've got to assume that this is unless this thing goes completely pear-shaped, you don't enter conversations that deep and then have it this out in the open without thinking that it'll come to summarize.
1: I mean, is this just, or is this, a po- or is this just a, a power move from the agent to put it out there? I don't think it's, well, I don't, I don't think it puts any pressure on Patrick Alvin. I, I, I think there's pressure already on Patrick Alvin to move Brock Besser one way or another, whether it happens ahead of the trade deadline. I don't know. I think it might be too complicated. Patrick Kane's a little bit of a different story. Patrick Kane is playing some good hockey right now. Brock mm-hmm. Besser is more of a, He's almost more of a what do you call it? Uh, like a salvage project for any other team, right? It's, sure. it's not like it's not like uh, any team that acquires Brock Besser is going to be a hundred percent confident that he's going to be able to come in and actually help the team right away. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that m- this is more likely to happen um, in in the off season, just because the Canucks are going to be hesitant to retain too much salary unless. The return in that, like unless the prize for retaining on that set all that salary is something that they just can't turn down. I
0: wonder if it's got Jordan Greenway involved in some way, shape, or form. Maybe,
1: but that's not enough of a prize for, for it to get done. Like the, the Canucks would have to get mm. if, if 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 they if they retain salary, significant amount of salary on Brock Besser yeah. and they get Jordan Greenway back, who frankly the wild want to move, he's like their version of Beauvillier, right? Like, he's like, oh, this guy's making too much money for what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Then the Canucks are the ones The the Canucks are the ones that are like, hey, do, do you want this guy or not? Because, mm-hmm. right? like, we'll take Jordan Greenway, I guess, but it's not like we're dying to get him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I guess the other big difference between, like, a Patrick
0: Kane situation is Kane's agent isn't out here saying things like, uh, the Wild are trying to move some things around, potentially. And then he says, where does Brock Besser fit? I think he fits perfectly. A top-six scoring wing probably playing with Boldy. Then he goes on to add there. Breaking
1: comments. news. Agent says client
0: is good hockey player. Knows where he wants him to play on yeah. future team. Moo cow. <laughs> By the way, if you want to check out uh, the article that iMac wrote on that premise and interview and everything else, it's up at sportsnet.ca right now.
1: Uh, this one comes in. What I learned Thank you. is that if your name gets read over the radio while the host loses his voice making it sound like a tire losing air and all of your job site buddies hear it and the fun it created, you instantly become famous for a day. LOL, so thanks for the fun yesterday. Chris laughing from Nanaimo. Chris from Nanaimo. (laughs) Well, Chris from Nanaimo, you're going to Guns N' Roses. (laughs) Oh my God, I can't believe it. Welcome to the jungle. We're all fun and games. I can't believe this! John McEnroe's back.
0: That was so, that's, yeah, that's, you had another one at the old shop. You had a, a voice
1: crack. It wasn't a voice crack. That was an absolute choke. Chris from the, not, uh, <laughs> It was uh traditional route Well, I, where I actually yes, nearly died. I nearly right. died on the air.
0: I, that's why it's. I think maybe I tried I've to repress n- it. I've, n- I've never
1: had a voice-breaking incident like that where I sounded like the teenager from the Simpsons who works at the fast food joint. Never had one. Life. I don't even think I've had that. Like, Let alone being on the radio, that has never happened to me in life. Even when I was a teenager and my voice was breaking, That's that right. would not have happened. Uh, Josh, in his video van, what we learned, I learned that, you know what's bad? When John McEnroe says that Vancouver hasn't had success in a long time. John McEnroe, is a, he's just a great sports fan. Mm-hmm. He's one of these guys that, yeah, he specialized in tennis. That was his sport, but he loves sports. He likes the Knicks. He likes the Rangers. He go to, goes to games. Um, you can tell that... Uh, he kind, he, I mean, he doesn't. He, he's not like. Do you think Stillman will get in the lineup tonight? Like, he's not at that level. Imagine
0: of, he asked you that
3: though. Can you imagine? I'd <laughs> be like,
1: tell me about this Stillman character. Guys, yeah, watching the mean, game the other day. You know, What's going on there? Watching with some that? tape. Yeah. He's got the proper
0: pronunciation of atu What was, he, what was he, Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: he pronounces the names better than we do. Yeah. Which um, actually wouldn't be
0: that difficult. But I digress.
1: Uh, <laughs> Josh, in his video van, you're going to the Bruins game on Saturday.
0: Congratulations, Josh. We still never found out what exactly the video van is, by the way. It's been a great mystery in the years that we've been on the air. Uh, This one is from Trey in Victoria. What up, Trey? Hashtag WWO, what we learned. The Boston Bruins are currently on pace for 63 regular season wins. How likely is it that they actually reach 60? That's a pretty hallowed mark. There's only a handful of teams that get to the 60-win plateau since
1: they've been doing the 82-game Regular season. I saw a headline pop up in my feed the other day that I did not investigate further. But Brad Marchand said something like, "We don't care about records." Yeah, is is that what he was talking about? Is it, what's the record for yeah. most wins? Yeah, of the that. Season? Yeah, that's kind of what he
0: was alluding to because that conversation has been happening a lot. Right. Um, I, I can't. I gotta. I don't. President's
1: know. Trophy has been a bit of a curse at times, though. So you no, know. it has for sure. There's expectations and- that go into the season. I'll be very curious to see what the Bruins do. At the deadline, because what they've got going on right now is pretty good, and sometimes you have to be careful about screwing around with the chemistry too much.
0: Yeah, I 60. Here's the thing Boston really doesn't have much to play for down the stretch, like, they're not going to fall out of that first overall spot. No, they're going to lock up home ice advantage
1: probably throughout the
0: entirety of the playoffs, mm-hmm. however far they go.
1: He, X- I mean, Tampa and Toronto are both capable of getting really hot, but I think yeah. they've got such a cushion right now that's probably not going to happen.
0: The biggest X factor for me would be: do they start doing load management down the stretch? Because Krejci's not getting any younger, Bergeron's mm-hmm. not getting any younger. I mean, the guys that they rely on, yep, are on the 100%. Ra- and then I w- was listening; I can't remember who who it was. Oh, it was uh, Haggerty. I was listening to Joe Haggerty interview the other day. And he said, We have, have Joe on tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm going to ask him about this because he said their biggest priority right now is get more depth on defense because if you plan on going on a long playoff run, yeah. you're going to lose guys. Mm-hmm. Your guys are going to get banged up, which is, I think, why they might be in on Gavrikov. So there's something to keep an eye well, on. Well, and Luke Shen. Yeah.
1: Ben and Langley, what we learned tennis legend John McEnroe knows about Canucks history, including the Marc Messier trade. Well, it wasn't a trade, it was a signing, right? Yep. Okay. Um, ben continues. Can you have Billie Jean King on tomorrow to discuss who she thinks won the Bure for Jovanovsky trade? <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> she loves the Florida Panthers. <laughs> I'm
3: putting in the chase now.
0: Uh, Josh in Mission. Not in his video van. This is another Josh entirely. Hashtag WWL what we learned. Riley Stillman will be the reason we end up with Bedard instead of Chicago. And then who will have won the Jason Dickinson trade? Good point, Josh. Uh
1: you know what can we just talk about how crazy that draft lottery is going to be in Vancouver? Oh yeah. Can but, we just can we just yeah. talk about how nuts that's going to be? Do you remember the Darlene? Draft lottery. I didn't. Yeah, I I don't like thinking about it. We all went. We all lost our minds for that, and ultimately, it panned out fine. The Canucks didn't win the draft lottery, but they got Quinn Hughes that Mm -hmm. year. Um, This is going to be one hundred times the intensity of that.
0: You remember all the useless crap that we did to try and change our luck for Darlene? Yeah, you bought one of those uh, uh, cat clocks, the the waving cat. Yeah, that the the lucky cat,
1: The, the the good fortune cat. Yes whatever Whatever it's called. I don't know. He actually bought it from a store, and it was called Good Fortune
0: Cat. (laughs) Um, And then I was – I drank – or no, I ate Lucky Charms with Lucky Lager Mm -hmm. out of the Stanley Cup, a mini Stanley Cup. They didn't let me have the real one. And the
1: worst thing we had to do was hang out with Sakaris, And that was like (sighs) – And that turned out to be bad are you? how are you guys – And also a bad time. Yeah.
3: (laughs) How are you guys going to top that this year? What are you going to do? I don't know.
1: Hide. I'm going to hide in the basement. Here's the thing. I'm going to hide in the basement in the dark until – the lottery is over, and I'm, gonna, and I'm gonna come out three weeks later and be like, Did they
3: win it? Yeah. You're gonna be like the lottery groundhog. Or I'm gonna yeah. be like the lottery
1: groundhog. <laughs> Pretty well, uh, looks like six more years of struggling because he's know, got the right 20 idea. 20 more <laughs> years till <to laughs> a generational think, talent. Didn't the groundhog die this year, though? I don't know, yeah, the... it was a hard turn, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did die? was it just? Dead in the box or something like yeah. that. It wasn't the best part? They didn't tell
3: any of the reporters or anyone until they all showed up, expecting the groundhog. Yeah, up, and they're like, nope. they didn't know how bad. to address it. Yeah, <laughs> what, what does this mean? Is this there, bad? <laughs> our, it, there did like that a, really happened? No, it yeah. Yes. did. Yeah,
1: that, and there did was only did, when. Okay, the, timeline this. When did what's the, the name? groundhog something Pete? What's the groundhog? Okay,
3: the, uh, pod 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 and Pete. <laughs> that's the, a the hockey good, player. <laughs> all right. Did and the groundhog Tony Phil?
1: Did the groundhog die? like, while it was in its... <laughs> Imagine they pulled it was out. Fred, so How are we looking this year? Fred um, Lamar Mott He died
2: the on... Fa- of, yeah, yeah. He, the, the, the one in Quebec. Yes, that's yes. the one we're talking about. This could not be a good
1: sign. The
3: groundhog yeah. died live on the air. What does this mean for winter? Oh, and it, it was the all... The dead th- groundhog is making quite the shadow out the r- here. The reports say he was found dead moments before the event.
0: And then the conspiracy theorists came <laughs> in. It's like, have <laughs> it you noticed like- a lot of groundhogs <laughs> are dying lately? The way they wrote that was like a <laughs> murder? Is that groundhog
3: been vaxxed?
1: Was he killed? There that Dead,
3: like how did he die? Yeah, in his apartment. That's how it starts. Yeah, that's how it starts. And he had a knife in his back or something, was some murder
0: conspiracy.
1: Anyway, well, there you go. I'm Wait. sure we'll get some texts about that yeah. for many reasons. Anti the accountant, what we learned the connects called up Seal to see if he could be a Demco replacement. Oh, that's a good conspiracy theory. I don't mm-hmm. think it's correct, nope, but it's a good conspiracy theory. I think they called up Stealovs because they needed a goalie that
0: could make some saves. Yeah, that was they couldn't keep playing Spencer Martin even his ordelia Even but Delia still gets to play every now and again. He yeah, played last true. game, right? But it got to the point with Spencer Martin where you're like, look, this is this is, even for a team that's maybe stealth tanking or not trying to say the quiet part out loud, you can't play him. Yeah, he was just it just unplayable. I felt bad. I still do. Mm-hmm. But he needed to go back to. Didn't he get
1: lit up in Abbotsford his first time back too? Yeah, I saw that. It was that's no good. Delia's that's still starting,
3: job. but he's starting with a sigh, right?
0: Like, uh,
1: that's that's no, what that's Delia right, starts. Yeah. That's with. right. That's how that conversation begins
0: and ends, oddly enough. Uh,
1: Matt and Abby text in, and we were talking about blocking shots yep. earlier in the show. He says, what we learned, I also eat hockey pucks for dinner. Signed, me, whenever my sister-in-law cooks dinner. <laughs> Boom, rim shot. That's usually a mother-in-law joke, but. We'll go with Sister-in-Law. But Sister-in-Law is probably a real person that isn't very good cook. <laughs> yeah, this
0: is so accurate, this this is one. He didn't win, though. I'm sorry about that. Uh, we got a lot of texts in about ju- the John McEnroe interview, which I guess is, you know, appropriate, given he's one of the most famous athletes of the last people 40 years. People were
3: impressed you guys did real journalism.
0: <laughs> it wasn't real journalism. I don't think people know what real journalism is. It's like every is.
1: time we do an interview with someone uh, – kind of noteworthy and we don't completely botch it yeah that's people true are, We're just so stoked. <laughs> are people just listening to the interview the whole time just like holding their breath going like don't embarrass yourself yeah. it, he's yeah. about to say something stupid yeah <laughs> i really for it. and then when we like, get through it they're like way to go guys you didn't completely screw that up you didn't embarrass the city yeah you know why real Actually,
0: interview that's a good point the sometimes our listeners it, to their credit are like the pandering parents of a stupid child. And when the the kid does something good, Mm -hmm. they're like, we have to praise
1: him for it. Yeah, let's go home now so he doesn't do anything stupid to ruin this great day. That's right. You want to stop at IHOP? We can stop at IHOP. David and Kamloops, what we learned, the Flames have serious goaltending issues. Vladar posted a 786 against Arizona yesterday, and apparently he might get the start again tonight in Vegas. Well, he won. But what's the most important goalie stat, Greg? Not wins, I can tell you that. (laughs) Jacob Markstrom right now, that is going to be a fascinating story, not only down the stretch, but also if the Flames somehow squeak their way into the playoffs. Who gets the game one start? Who knows how it's going to pan out? But we all know that the Flames, as an organization, want Marky to be that guy. They want him to be the starter but Dan Vladar, he's the new big save Dave. Yeah. Like he is, right? They're like, ah, we don't really believe in this guy, but he's playing better than the guy we actually believe in right now. They just recycled the nickname.
0: They're like, you are now Big Save Dan. And
1: yeah, it doesn't have the it doesn't doesn't quite
0: catch on like Big Save Dave. There's yeah. no rhyming. You know the problem with Big Save Dave is that he never made any big saves. Well, he did for a time. Uh, he never took the mantle, though. It was an occasional never... big save Dave. He... <laughs> Can you imagine if that was his nickname after all, Excuse while. me, occasional big save Dave. Uh, <laughs> please don't call me that. <laughs>
3: Especially when you're interviewing me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just walks away. Better than no big save Dave. Jeez. Yeah, that's true. Occasional one? big save Dave Occas- is fine. No, no, no. That is much worse.
1: <laughs> what we learned on text. Horvat is doing everything he can to help the Canucks get the New York Islanders first round pick for this year. He's been on fire and has quickly put that team on his back to make make the playoffs despite Barzell going down. Yeah, they got a big win last night, 2-1 over the Winnipeg Jets, Mm. and I think they're going to have to win a lot of these low-scoring games where Sorokin will be their best player. They're just grinding it out. Well, they need to because without Barzell, man, he's easily their most dynamic player. Without without
0: Barzell, their top line was Anders Lee, Bo Horvat and Matt Martin. Right. Yeah. That's problematic if you want to score goals Mm -hmm. in the NHL. I mean, hey, but to his credit, Bo's doing a lot of heavy lifting. And (laughs) you mentioned how much pressure he's going to be under, not just because he's the savior for this deadline, but also he signed that gigantic extension. They got a lot of pressure on him, but for now, he's living up to it. Uh, Chris and Surrey with a what we learned. Hashtag WWO what we learned. The Canucks should trade Luke Shen to Boston. The Bruins are in Seattle, Vancouver, Edmonton, and Calgary over the next week. They could then leave him behind for the birth of his baby. Then he could rejoin them when he's ready. And then he wrote in brackets, Chris from Surrey wrote, Tweet from JPAT. So I hope that this is a an original what we learned from Chris and Surrey. And that he didn't just paraphrase an idea from JPAT. Oh, I see. But either way, we're reading it on the air. And it's not it's not a bad theory. I mean, I, I we talked to Frank Sarvalli about this earlier, with like the latest on the Shen trade. And he said that it sounds like the Shen trade party, the Shen side of things, would have liked this to be done earlier and not have it drag out. Like, again, when he got sent the Nashville thing, you assumed that if things were so far advanced that you flew him to Nashville and then were like, you know what, can you get back on the plane? Mm -hmm. You'd think that there was a trade imminent. But now it's Thursday morning and nothing has still kind of come to fruition. So I'm not exactly sure what's going on. It's like that episode of Entourage where a Turtle flew all the way to Australia. Well, they might
1: have a deal. They had to fly all the way back. They might have a deal with a team that's acquiring him, and that team has to wait. But that team has requested, like, "Hey, don't play him because we need him, and we don't want him getting hurt in a meaningless game against the St. Louis Blues for you guys." Yeah, and Frank, like, said, that might be part of the deal, right? right? Like, Fra- "Hey, yeah, we'll do. It. Okay, this is the deal. We got to we got to make some other things happen first, but." Uh, send him home, we don't want him playing hockey. Frank did say that he thinks that a deal might already be done, right? You yeah, that's what I a, think. In a drawer
0: somewhere, yeah. You got what we learned there?
1: Uh, I mean, I, I, I did. Uh, Brady, oh, sorry, Jackson Brophy from Campbell River, what we learned, Pedersen could be a top two defenseman on the Canucks. <laughs> Change his position already. <laughs> Honestly, he might be. Uh, I think he's got the best defensive instincts on on the Canucks, just in terms of where the puck is on the ice and where it is likely to go. Mm. And that really is one of the big keys of defending, you know, like maintaining like where you are on the ice and where you think the puck is going to go. And frankly, you know, like I, I, I don't want to just, you know, criticize Bo Horvat, but I, I, from watching him penalty kill at times, and I watch him from the press box, because mm. I was always curious, like, oh, why can't this guy figure this out? Like he's, yeah. he's got everything you think you'd need he would just kind of lose his position on the ice, and sometimes that comes from puck watching. That sometimes comes over from, like, overplaying something, and then all of a sudden you're playing into exactly what the puck carrier wants you to do because he wants to draw you out of position in order to either make a pass or or a shot. And when you see players that know how to penalty kill, Mm -hmm. and that goes for both forwards and defensemen, you can see that they they try and control the puck carrier as opposed to getting controlled by the puck carrier. Does um, that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. We had this conversation before, by the way. I think it was one of those many I'm times. I'm sure we have about or, this PK. Where we, or no, about uh, what forward would be the best defenseman on the Canucks roster. Because it's... Oh. Every, every time was we have... Was yeah I, someone said Connor garland and then I thought about it for a while and I'm like maybe Connor Garland yeah but then I was what? like no I, th- I think it was more about his ability to spin out of his own end <laughs> yeah. uh, he's got a great
1: escapability yeah which is and after that it's a struggle <laughs>
0: yeah. uh I don't know who I think it would be Petey, though I think he's I think you're right with the best defensive instincts right and then I'd, I don't know who else's skill set would be really like translatable I know that's not a word don't worry about it uh Jesse with the what we learned hashtag Wwl what we learned Chris Tanev is still a true Canuck and tried helping Arizona with a goal yesterday to move up the standings past the Canucks. Undercover tank commander. Benning's playing 8D chess, letting him walk so many years ago. Yeah, I mean he tried his best, but ultimately his teammates did him in. And Calgary ended. Arizona, Arizona had a nine game point streak. Mm-hmm. I still can't believe that. I know. Because so I've I flip by every now and again. I've got the full NHL package and their games will be on. And I I watch them play. And they get dominated for eight to nine minutes at a time yeah. where they just, they just can't do anything. Look at their roster. They're terrible. I don't know how they would have had put points together. that. And that's the same thing with Anaheim. Because all the West Coast games that I'll watch, I watch Anaheim sometimes. I'm like, these guys are so bad. So, so bad at hockey. Designed to be bad, mm-hmm. but just horrible. And then there's the Canucks.
1: Austin and Langley, what we learned, Liverpool thought they had Real in the bag, but they were actually digging their own grave. As a Canucks fan, I can relate to blown leads, multi-goal leads. Real is quite a story with what they did last year in the Champions League, going on to win it. And not just like, yeah, we were the better team and there was no drama along the way. They had comebacks against PSG, mm-hmm. Man City, and Chelsea. Yep. And they were different. They were, dramatic comebacks. Dramatic comebacks, and a lot of it was based on goal differentials. So, it, it, you know, on these on, in these two game legs or whatever they call them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bit different. The comebacks—they're not just within one game, um, but it was incredible. And then they played Liverpool in the final, and they beat them kind of like. Boring. It was like one nothing. I mean, it was, it was like, very boring. It was one nothing, and and I remember the the talk going into the, that match. It was like, well, if Liverpool gets a lead, they better be careful because this Real team, like they're, they're legendary comeback artists, right? They, this one, this, and and then yeah. and then it, then it kind of delayed to this year when Liverpool played them, gets a two two nothing lead, and and Real storms back with five goals, and that tie is essentially over. Yeah, it's done. Like it's because... done because that one was in.
0: Liverpool. And while away goals and home goals don't matter anymore, it is worth noting that that's the most ever goals that Liverpool has ever given up in a European game at Anfield. Well,
1: Liverpool, one of the most disappointing clubs in soccer worldwide. Terrible. This year. Yeah. Be Given expectations.
0: Hey, you're listening to the Home of the Canucks. Those two things have nothing in common. We got to go for now. That's what the music means. But we will be back tomorrow. It's Friday. It's Ask Us Anything Friday. It's always a good time. Thanks to all our guests today, but especially John McEnroe. That was a lot of fun. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.